Oh, hi. How we doing? It's nice to see you. I was just finishing off some Honolulu Blue Kool-Aid. It's delicious. I hope you pour yourself a glass. Don't laugh at me. It's delicious. Get on board. What a weekend, huh? What a weekend. It's nice to kick off a, a new week as winners yet again. Moving forward in the NFL playoffs, your Detroit Lions are headed to the NFC Championship game. And I thought Chris Collinsworth yesterday, towards the end of that broadcast, it was it was a a really good, succinct way of putting it. All of these teams that are going to be in this thing, now the final four teams, there is no Cinderella. There is no long shot. Now these teams that are in it, when you get to this point in the year, you got a shot. And you got a legitimate shot. And look, we'll get into the predictions a little later on in the week. But I, I, I do want to give you an opportunity to just chime on in. If you were down at Ford Field, if you watched at home like I did, th- this is uncharted territory for us as Lions fans. So yeah, pour yourself a cup. Go ahead. Have a good time with it. It is unbelievable. It is unbelievable what this team is doing, considering the decades of of darkness, of nothingness, of losing. I mean, there is a possibility this team could be playing in the Super Bowl in three weeks. It is unthinkable. And look, we're going to talk a lot about this the rest of the week. We, We got a lot to do today. But Ford Field's going to be opening their doors. If you want to go watch the game down at Ford Field when they head on over to the West Coast to take on the 49ers in San Francisco, you can head on down to Ford Field, watch the game. You can be a part of that atmosphere while they're away. But but it is is it, it is an extremely exciting time here in the city of Detroit. And again, we'll talk a little bit more about it coming up. Our Dave Rieger, who... Uh, produces focus with Paul W. Smith was there yesterday. We'll get his account of what it was like because look, Ford field for many, many years has been kind of, you know, it's a nice stadium. It's a great place to see a game, but for, for vast majorities of their time playing in that, that stadium, there, there haven't been a lot of bright spots. And now we've seen a couple of them in back-to-back weeks. And, and to think that this team could be playing in in Las Vegas in just a, a few short weeks is unbelievable. So if you want to weigh in on the lines, if you have been part of this fan base that has been drugged through the mud, that has been that has been witness to a winless season. You know, if you were like Aiden Hutchinson yesterday, I thought I thought him at that at the end of the game yesterday was it's it's not a feeling that most people will ever get to feel right if you're in athletics if you're in academia even to a certain extent i mean very rarely do you get to grow up in a place play your your high school ball here play your college ball here then you get to play pro football here like all in this little ecosystem 
when in reality it is all too common for players to 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 you know even go to a different high school somewhere further away if they're really good athletes if they're really good football players they'll go to a, a powerhouse high school in Florida I mean it's unbelievable the idea that a guy can can grow up here be here and then for professional football play here and then deliver two playoff wins to a city that hasn't seen them in nearly my entire lifetime. It is it is it is unbelievable. So I'd love to hear from you what you're feeling because look, even if you're not the biggest Lions fan, this is impactful for you. It has to be. The NFL is the king of the crop in athletics in in pro sports. And so when your team is is you know, ascending towards the peak of Mount Everest, yeah, everybody's going to be excited for you. So I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, um, some pretty shocking news, not totally shocking if you had been kind of reading between the tea leaves and certainly the 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 numbers didn't look good for Ron DeSantis, but he folded yesterday. He threw in the towel, closed up shop, and 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 suspended his campaign for president. Now I think the easy answer is well. Look at Donald Trump's numbers. I mean, they're just, you can't compete with them. But there was this notion, I think even amongst those inside the Republican Party, that if you were able to hang around long enough, potentially some of these legal issues that Donald Trump is facing could bite him, could put him in a spot where he's not able to run, and and naturally you would be able to just ascend to that spot. And and Ron DeSantis has been pretty vocal, even in on on that last one on one debate with Nikki Haley on CNN a, a, a couple of weeks ago, that he would not accept a vice presidential invitation by Donald Trump were one to be handed out. And I, I look, we can get into that a little later on as well on on where you think the 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 next logical steps are for Ron DeSantis. But he said he feels like he could get more done as the governor of Florida. But now that leaves Nikki Haley in a pretty interesting spot. Nikki Haley has wanted this one-on-one. Nikki Haley has wanted the ability to go mano a mano. Well, now she's got that opportunity. And while her numbers only come in second to Donald Trump in a place like New Hampshire, you know, that could be a springboard for her. It could be a a way for her to try to garner more support nationally. But I I believe if you are of the Donald Trump camp or the Ron DeSantis camp, those two candidates are so intertwined in, in just in terms of their ideology, their beliefs, it would it would be pretty shocking where I told you maybe some of the Chris Christie support would go to Nikki Haley, I would be very surprised if a lot of the DeSantis support would shift to Nikki Haley. So in my mind, this only serves as a way for Donald Trump to to garner more strength, to garner a bigger base. He's only able to grow his war chest now because now a lot of these folks that are donating to campaigns, there isn't all these options, and you're going to ride with Donald Trump. It feels very much 
like the Republicans, specifically those that were running for president. But but I think as a whole, even those that were against Donald Trump, I think the idea here is that it's inevitable. It is inevitable that Donald Trump will win this nomination and will vie for an opportunity to become president once again. And I think Ron DeSantis said it in his statements yesterday where his his presidency was interrupted by Joe Biden. So it's very interesting to me to see Ron DeSantis fold when he did. It's also very interesting to see what could happen next. And we'll talk a little bit about that as the show continues as well. Also, the state of the Michigan GOP is in disarray. So you've got Pete Hoekstra winning an election to take over as chair of the Michigan GOP. Christina Caramo, meanwhile, saying that it's an illegal vote and the majority of the Michigan GOP still stands with her. And so she is acting chair. Well, now you've got lawsuits abound. You've got the RNC needing to weigh, weigh in on this. And it, it has, the Michigan GOP just cannot get out of their own way. They are constantly tripping over themselves and, and, And look, is leadership to blame? You betcha. Absolutely. And until there is a clear, defined path, then my fear is that you'll continue to see a lot of this. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. I'd love to get your, your take on the Lions. It is the biggest story in our area. They are getting love nationally. We'll take your calls, your texts. Coming up next here on JR Afternoon. All right, Lions, big winners yesterday. They beat the Buccaneers. Now they head to the Bay, San Francisco, to take on the 49ers. And look, all I'm telling you is that it's special. And I've been telling you this all year. I told you. I think think verbatim, I said, open your heart to getting hurt again. It's what we do as sports fans. But, But the idea is that this team is legit. And I've been telling you they're legit all year. And I believe this team has an opportunity to go into San Francisco, win, and get to the Super Bowl. After that, I don't know. And I'm not even really sure. I'm going to look into it a little more. I'm not even really sure their odds of beating the Niners on the road. But this team has gone further than every other Lions team over the last three-plus decades. With 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 the with some of the skilled players that we've had in this town over the years, obviously Barry, Calvin, Matt Stafford. But this team is built a little differently. And the way that they're able to, in conjunction with the talent on the field, the talent off the field, they're able to win a couple of really, really important postseason games. And look, the fans are fired up, we're fired up. It's the it's the number one story in this area. So I want to hear from you. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Rick is in temperance. He kicks us off today. Hello, Rick. Sir, how are you, my friend? Good. What's going on? Good. I'd like to just ask a favor of you. If you, When you see Paul Dub next, yeah. give him a hug. I will. And then also kick him right in his shin. Oh, why? <laughs> uh, the love part of it is... I've been listening and a big Michigan and Michigan sports guy. So let's go back to the 84 Tigers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, McCarty, Punch, and McHugh, uh, or, um, the, the, the bad Lemieux. boys, whatever. Yeah. But when it comes to the Lions, three times 
listening to your broadcast and WJL's broadcast, Paul Dub has made me tear up to the point <laughs> that I've had to pull off and find eye drops before I can go to work. Oh. Sweet Marie passing, Frank Beckman, and then his take 20 minutes ago on the Lions. We all have fans and friends and family that have passed. They yeah. would love to be here right now to celebrate this season. I know, and and Rick, look, that's the that's the beauty of this of 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 being a sports fan, right? Especially in this town, it's a blue collar town. It's what it's what we are known for, and and we relish the ability to take in these events with people we love, and 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 as time goes on, and the longer that these losing streaks just continue to linger, and there's no real meaningful postseason championship push, it makes things. It, it makes things more difficult, but you, I mean, you're right. You got to remember that when you're watching these, these games with people you love, it's important it, it, pe- you... people spend hard, their hard earned money to take their families to these games so that they can experience them together. You're, you're not wrong. Did you, did you feel Paul Dubs, um, passion and, yeah. and emotion? I mean, that gentleman is rock solid and he got emotional because he wished some of his family members, friends could be witnessing the season. That resonates throughout the state. That's why Ford Field is rocking the way it is. That's why we're yeah. destined. That's why we're the American team. This is an unbelievable time to be alive, to be a Michigan fan. Go Blue. Go Wings. Go Lions. Go Pistons. Go Tigers. But when we're talking about the Lions right now, as a 50-year-old guy, this is the best time of my life, bro. Well, you've, been, you've, you've seen it all. I mean, you've seen it all. You've seen Thank Owen you, 16 and, and yeah, and Rick, I appreciate the call. Look, that's what it is. It, it is what, that is exactly the sentiment that I think a lot of people are feeling. It is this idea that people that you have, have experienced these events with or gone to games with, that's why it's important. Is, is yes, it is as much about the game as it is the atmosphere and the, and the people that are close to you that you take it in with. I mean, that's why when you when you watch NBC, when you watch these broadcasts and Tariko talks about some of these fans, it's because those are the stories that that resonate. And I think I think Paul was right and I think Rick was right. But that's why I think the story of Aiden Hutchinson is so amazing. Look, this is a guy who who grew up in in Dearborn. Played his high school ball here, obviously played his college ball here uh, at at the University of Michigan. And got drafted by his hometown Lions team and and has delivered two playoff wins to a team that he grew up watching. A team that has been in the doldrums of the NFL for decades. That's why yesterday, and I know, Brian, you, you, you could take it or leave it a little bit. But he was standing on the field and just looking around. I mean, he was looking up into the the higher sections of Ford field as, as people continue to cheer after the game. But it was like this moment of, I cannot believe I'm here. I can't believe this is happening. It was, it was unbelievable. I thought, yes, you're correct. <laughs> that, 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 and that is the I extent saw, I of, saw it. I, I don't know. I was watching the game. So I, I mean, I know, but I know what you're talking about. Bev was very excited. And he's a good, I mean, look, a lot of yelling going on at our house. Yeah, of course. Uh, by the way, uh, if you are 
as big of a Lions fan as I am, as probably you are and your neighbor and everybody on your street, um, it's time to show it because we have an opportunity for you on our Facebook page, WJR Radio. You go on to our our Show Us Your Pride post. It's pinned to the top of our page and post a picture of you in your Lions gear because this is the time. This is the support. The players see it. The coaching staff feels it. And look, this is where our our teams, our fandoms can can collide a little bit, and you help them out as they head off to a tough road game. So we'll we'll talk a little bit more about the X's and O's of it uh, coming up, and the ramifications of taking on the San Francisco Forty ers who are a very good football team. Of course, nothing is guaranteed, but we'll get into it as the week progresses. Steve Courtney will join us later in the show to break it all down, and, and I I do want to throw this into the mix. Because, and and we're going to talk a little bit more about it in the 3 o'clock hour, but the Michigan GOP continues to be in some trouble. Christina Caramo continues to maintain her leadership of of the state party. Meanwhile, Pete Hoekstra just won a special election to take over the Michigan GOP as the new chair. But there is still some confusion about who rules the roost. Christina Caramo says it's her. Well, the delegates recognize me as chair and the state committee recognize me as chair. So I'm legally still the chair of the Michigan Republican Party. So he can make whatever claims he likes, but I'm still legally the chair. That is Christina Caramo, the chair of the Michigan GOP or former chair of the Michigan GOP. And she was on with All Talk today. She says that she continues to be the acting chair of the Michigan GOP, but There are lawsuits underway, particularly in Kent County, um, and and the Republican National Committee is going to have to weigh in on this. And there is still a level of unity that is taking place. That's according to Pete Hoekstra. Vance, uh, Lena and I, we have all talked. We've communicated. Uh, You know, we are united. Uh, Vance is helping. Uh, Lena is going to help. Uh, You know, we're finally moving the focus of the Republican Party in Michigan to November of 24 and make sure that the agenda is all about winning in 2024 stop the infighting that's the platform that i ran on uh let's focus on winning because 2024 the elections are so absolutely critical that pete hookstraw on with jr morning today and and the names that he mentioned vance patrick the head of the oakland county republican party lena epstein who is a longtime republican has sought many offices under that umbrella over the years um, there was a coming together. They reunited under Hoekstra, and now the fight really begins. We'll see who comes out on top. We'll talk about it more as we continue here on JR Afternoon. So if you want to weigh in on the Lions, you want to weigh in on what this means to you, we'll continue to take your calls, your text on that, 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. The other thing is the continued unrest inside the Michigan GOP. A vote was taken this weekend, and former ambassador to the Netherlands under Donald Trump, Pete Hoekstra, won that vote. And so he is acting, or he is chair of the Michigan GOP. But Christina Caramo says she's still legally the chair, because a majority of members still support her and back her. And so now there is this question about not only who is is chairing the, the Republican Party here in the state of Michigan. Because, I mean, at, at present, 
I don't even know that that really matters. Because I'm not even really sure that they're going to be able to be very active in this 2024 presidential election as we stand now. So unless new leadership came in and were recognized like Pete Hoekstra or it continues to be the status quo, at least for today, it doesn't really matter. But this infighting still continues. And this ambiguity over who's who and who's what and who has what position and who's been ousted or who has, it's nonsense. It's crazy. And so I think you're dealing with two different, two different factions of the same party, but you're dealing with two different scenarios. And if you're a Republican, here's where, here's where I, I want to ask you to weigh in. You've got two different paths to go down. And these are the paths that I think many find themselves in. Which is you continue down the road you're on now. And that road is the inability to raise money, the inability to fundraise, and and really the inability to continue to function as a state party. The other is what I think many of those folks who would choose path number one would look at and say, well, you're just rhinos. Rhinos, I say. And and this is a path of potentially more abilities to raise money and to provide cover to some of these candidates who you will eventually vote on in the primary. So those are the options. And look, the committees are the ones that are going to make those decisions. And they have. They voted this weekend. But now the RNC is going to have to weigh in. And it feels like the RNC is in a, is in kind of that that space between a rock and a hard place where they don't necessarily want to ruffle feathers, but Michigan is a very important state in this upcoming election. And for the Michigan Republican Party to be non-factors, I think has to play into their decision on how they how they decide on this. And look, there are legal challenges, too. We'll get into that coming up a little later in the three o'clock hour. But I think it's I think the RNC is going to have to make a, a, a pretty impactful decision that could have some wide ranging ramifications for state Republican parties across the country. And by the way, Pete Hoekstra is a former ambassador to the Netherlands under Donald Trump. There was word that somebody from Mar-a-Lago called in during the vote. Now, Hookster told uh, the 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 show uh, JR Morning today that he didn't take a call from Mar-a-Lago, but somebody did, and as a result, Vance Patrick, the head of the Republican Party in Oakland County, and Lena Epstein, uh, they threw their support behind. Behind him, they were also running for that seat. So something happened, something came out of Mar-a-Lago that, that, that prompted them to make that move, that, they, that the Trump camp was throwing their weight behind Pete Hoekstra. So it's going to be very interesting because we know the type of power that Donald Trump holds in the party. We, we, we see that now. 
And I think that's only being, it's only stronger when you consider the number of defectors that have been looking for the GOP nomination that have now thrown their support behind Donald Trump, like Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, Doug Burgum, uh, who, by the way, all will be together with Donald Trump in New Hampshire as a, quote, show of force. That's according to Fox News. So, yeah, I think there are a lot of things at play here. A lot of things at play that that need to really be sorted out if Michigan, if Republicans want Michigan to go red. On the other hand, I think something, the other thing that made waves is Ron DeSantis folding up his campaign and going home. It's pretty shocking. It's not necessarily surprising when you consider the numbers that he was pulling. And look, he came in second place in, in Iowa, but, but 30 points behind Donald Trump. I mean, is that really a consolation? And so the, the numbers just aren't there for Ron DeSantis. I was a little surprised that he, he didn't wait for New Hampshire. I thought maybe once you'd get on the other side of New Hampshire, that's when you would see some hard decisions being made. But he decided to withdraw before New Hampshire and throw his weight behind Donald Trump. Now, not a surprise that he's going to throw his weight behind Donald Trump. He certainly isn't going to support Nikki Haley. But I, I think that now what we are seeing out of Donald Trump, partly thanks to Ron DeSantis, is is this dude is just getting more and more ready to take on another presidential run. I mean, if this thing were over today, Donald Trump would be your nominee. And it wouldn't even be close. But you're going to let it play it all out. And, and, and there was some discussion, I think, and, and rightfully so, that, well, maybe Donald Trump could get himself into some trouble, maybe gets thrown into jail, thrown to prison, and there would there would need to be some candidate there. Well, Nikki Haley is that candidate now. I thought that Ron DeSantis was going to stay in it for the long haul. But is there does it maybe throw into question of some of the things that Ron DeSantis said, like he would not accept a VP nomination from Donald Trump if if offered? Or, or that he would prefer to stay as governor of Florida if, if he were not to, to, to receive the GOP nomination? I mean, I, I think that there are some questions there. I think Vivek Ramaswamy is also vying for that spot. But, but this isn't necessarily about vice presidential candidates. This is about Donald Trump only growing his war chest. This is about Donald Trump not only garnering more support, but now more money is going to be thrown his way. I mean, you're really making this a a, a two-horse race with somebody who is, you know, depending on which poll you look at, dozens of points behind. And that only goes to show you that you're probably looking at a Joe Biden-Donald Trump rematch. What do you think of that? 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. You know how I feel about it. I don't want no part of that.
I, I don't I don't believe that Joe Biden and and look whether he's cognizant of his current state or not I'm not sure but I mean there there are some questions about Joe Biden and it's not just it's not just Republicans that are asking that Democrats independents look at Joe Biden as as potentially a liability in this election against somebody like Donald Trump. And those people may not even want Donald Trump to get reelected, but they see Joe Biden as a liability in this election. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. More of your calls, your texts coming up next. We'll talk more lines as well as we continue here on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. I want to go to Tony in Southfield. Before we get to more Lions talk, what's up, Tony? Chris, what's going on, man? What up? Go Lions. But this is what I wanted to say. I was talking, I debate with a Republican friend of mine all the time, and I was telling him I've never voted, and I'm 60, in an election where the VP nomination plays a big role on who you might vote for because of the age of the candidate. Yeah. No, it's a good point. And and Tony, who would you I mean, I would imagine Kamala Harris is probably going to continue to roll with Joe Biden. Who do you want to see Donald and, Trump and, choose? And see, that's the problem with the with me as a dim. I'm not a Kamala Harris fan. Mm. Who would I want to see if I were to vote Republican? Like I would, would you like, want to see somebody like Ron DeSantis or would you want to see somebody more moderate? Not a Ron DeSantis because, to me, he's not a good candidate for a presidency. I would like to see uh, a Ben Carson, somebody okay. a little bit more compassionate, I think. And I'm only saying that because he's a doctor. Yeah. No, and, and Tony, I appreciate it. And I think a lot of people are going to look at at the age of, of the, the candidates, Donald Trump, Joe Biden, um, and, and they're going to look at, their vice presidential candidates and go, okay, well, really, who, who do we got? Who's in the wings? And, and look, that's, it's a little bit of a, of a macabre way to look at it, but I don't know that, I don't know how else people could look at it is if you have somebody who is 80 or pushing 80 taking office, I think you, I think you have to very much consider who their vice presidential running mate is. So, Tony, I think it's a good call. I think there are a lot of issues that are going to be impactful for people, whether that's, um, you know, I think it, it probably differs by state by state. You know, I think immigration probably is universally um, looked at as a as a major issue. The economy will, will always be the, the cream of the crop in terms of what people are worried about. But, but no, you're right. I think that not only knowing where these presidential candidates stand, but but where their VP stand well. I, I think that's a good point. Um, Tony, I appreciate the call. Meanwhile, uh, the, the executive producer of Focus with Paul W. Smith, Dave Rieger, joins us. Hello, David. It's nice to see Chris, you. Chris, good to see you. You were down at Ford Field yesterday. I was. Um, what was that like? I, I had talked to a few people that were at the game, and they said it was an unbelievable atmosphere. And... Um, very much mirrored the wild card weekend that we saw at Ford Field. 
Yeah, you know, I was down there. I got down there about 11 o'clock, and they were opening the gates for the uh, for the fans at 12, from what, I under- okay. from what I understood. And there were people there at 11 o'clock lined up, ready. And you know how cold it was. It's cold. And they're outside, fired up. Yelling, screaming, it was it was unbelievable. And there were a ton of them outside of Ford Field an hour before the gates were going to open in that, in that weather. In that weather, I mean, look, I don't – people are excited, so they're going to get there. They're going to get there early. They want to get a good spot, you know, all those things. Right. But the, the, the atmosphere on TV was great. And, again – you know, I, I think I think very highly of Mike Tirico. I think he does a great job. But that place, I mean, the the way it translates to television is remarkable. I heard that Tirico said that um, it, it wasn't as loud as the game against the Rams. Well, of course, we're we're accustomed to it now. So right, right, exactly, <laughs> right, exactly. We got we get we got two wins more than they've ever had in a in a playoff season. Yeah. So now. Um, so tell me a little bit about the 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 like the team's interaction with the fans, because obviously you you see them you know get loud, get soft, whatever. But I mean, even that that uh, that sideline that they seem very animated for a lot of the game too. Right. So you know, so they come down that long. You've been to Ford Field before. You know, they come down that long tunnel. Yes. And there is a spot right under the Coca Cola where pole. yeah, where VIPs can sit. And like watch them come down that ramp mm-hmm. and walk in, and it's uh, it. And then we and after the game, we saw there was like a there's like a VIP bar that's right by the locker room, and so we're waiting as the media to get into the locker room to talk to them. And there are people in the bar taking pictures of us just standing there, fired up, waiting to go into the locker room to to talk <laughs> to, to talk to the players. And there, it was like you felt like a like almost like you were like an animal. Like yeah, in, at an exhibit. Exactly. And they're all like just waving at us and yelling, screaming, and taking photos. It was insane. Well, it's not the first. I mean, people are always excited to see you. That's not. A I mean, I mean, it was it, it was the, we were just all there. The whole media was just there waiting. It was it was crazy. But yeah, the they had these, uh, you know, wristbands that they gave out with that light up. Yep. And uh, really cool. And especially so when we were and then we you guys didn't see this on television. But when they would go to commercial break, and especially right before the last possession for Tampa Bay, they they brought the Ford Field. They turned off all the lights, and they just had the fans playing music and those lights flashing blue. Oh, that's cool! Right, be, right before they came back from uh, the television break. Oh, wow! And they, it was really cool, and they had to, uh, you know, and they had to somehow huddle up and talk in the dark, basically, with the music pounding. And the lights strobing and flashing on uh, all the fans and their wristbands. Very cool atmosphere. And it was loud. My watch, my, my Apple Watch, every time it gets to a certain point where it gets loud, I'll get an alert that says, you are in an environment that is too loud and dangerous. My watch, really? my watch the battery ran out. It kept on going off. All the whole game. Whole game. The whole game. Every time that you they got loud. You were in a loud, dangerous environment. I was in a dangerous environment. That's how loud it got in there. Wow, that's unbelievable. Well, I hope you enjoyed yourself. Thank you, David. It's nice cool. to see you. It was cool. Good. I'm glad. Uh, Dave Rieger, a Lions fan, numero uno, uh, taking care of business. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dave, not, all, not a Lions fan.
but he had a nice time and he did a great job. Thank you, David. All right, I want to go real quick. Robin Clarkson, what's up, Rob? Good afternoon. Hey. Listen, I really believe that uh, most people don't understand the the true function of a of a vice president. The vice president is there to be so objectionable to become president that it protects the life of the president. Well, sure. Okay. I mean, yes. In the sense of 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 that, yes. But at at yes. when when you're pushing 80 I mean the 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 optics of what the vice president is or represents changes entirely. No, the job is the same. Correct. It's to be so undesirable as president that the president stays alive. Witness Kamala Harris. All right, Rob. I, look, I appreciate it. I and I think that there's something to be said about that. Um, and again, w- we can talk about. VPs and what this all means. We'll do that down the road. But in ter- just if you read between the tea leaves a little bit, I-, I said it with Ron DeSantis. He has said that he would not accept the VP nod. But getting out now is interesting. And Vivek Ramaswamy getting out when he did, interesting. Because it just, it, it, something just doesn't quite add up. But we'll get into that as as the election season uh, moves on. Uh, in the meantime, we got to take a break. We'll break for the news coming up here momentarily. Get you caught up on a couple of other news headlines. And look, it, it, Lions Monday here. Everybody very excited. If you want to weigh in, if you were down at the game, it was an electric atmosphere. And now the Lions are knocking on the door of something that was basically unthinkable as a Lions fan. We'll continue to talk about it next on JR Afternoon. Welcome back. Three o'clock hour. Good to have you on a winning Lions Monday. It's just been, I mean, years and years and years, and we Lions fans haven't been able to say that. Lions winning the divisional round against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers means they head out west to San Francisco to take on the 49ers. In the NFC Championship game, only two NFC teams standing, Niners and the Lions, winner with an opportunity and a chance to win a Super Bowl. Pretty unbelievable. When you considering that just three years ago, Dan Campbell was hired and was talking about biting kneecaps. They hired a, a relatively unknown in Brad, in Brad Holmes. Somebody who as a talent evaluator obviously has everything it takes to run a, an organization as a general manager. And the way that Brad Holmes and Dan Hamble work together, it it all is in very much harmony. And and I think that when you see the type of support that we've seen down at Ford Field over the last couple of days, I mean, you're talking about ticket prices being, you know, almost near what, six hundred bucks for a standing room ticket? I mean, that's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. So I just, I think when you consider where this team has come and where we're at now, look, nobody wants to lose. As a Lions fan, you don't want to see them lose. But boy, oh boy, getting to this this spot in three years is pretty remarkable. It's pretty unbelievable when you consider the type of overhaul changes that this organization made. 
So we'll talk about it. I think the the Aiden Hutchinson story continues to be, for me, of all the storylines near or at the very top. This is a guy who grew up locally, played high school locally, played his college ball locally, and was drafted by his local hometown team, and now has delivered two playoff wins at home in front of his crowd. It's remarkable. And then you start looking at the type of heat that this organization was getting for drafting guys like Sam Laporta or or Jameer Gibbs or Campbell when they did. it's it, They drafted them because they're really good football players and they can help them win. And now they're in the NFC Championship game. So still some work to do. We'll continue to talk about it. But just very interesting and exciting. to uh, a, a very interesting, exciting Lion, a time to be a Lions fan in this town. Um, meanwhile, the confusion and unrest inside the Michigan GOP continues as now a new chair was elected. Former ambassador to the Netherlands under the Trump administration, Pete Hoekstra, won a special election over the weekend, and he was named chair of the Michigan GOP. Only one problem. Christina Caramo says that she's still legally the chair. Well, the delegates recognize me as chair, and the state committee recognized me as chair, so I'm legally still the chair of the Michigan Republican Party, so he can make whatever claims he likes, but I'm still legally the chair. Okay, she's still legally the chair, but there is a lot of ambiguity here. I mean, we have not seen this type of infighting inside the Michigan GOP party. And I mean, I don't know, maybe ever. But at the end of the day, Christina Caramo still maintains that a majority of folks inside the party are on her side. The majority of the state committee met. They voted at the January 6th gathering where they a small group, a, a French fraction of 37 percent of the committee tried to illegitimately remove me. Uh, the majority of the elected State committee members voted that that gathering was illegitimate, that any business conducted there was illegitimate, and that uh, they voted to reaffirm me as chair. So the majority of the committee stands behind me. The majority of the precinct delegates stand behind me. So it's really appalling that a small group of people think they're just going to bully their way in. And I can tell you plainly, our our committee is not going to put up with it. And it's not me. It's the committee that I represent. So the Michigan GOP is in a boatload of debt to the tune of, uh, I mean, I guess it depends on where you, you see it, where you trust it, but we'll call it a half a million bucks. And we're 10 months away from a presidential election. It's not good. Meanwhile, Hookstra's party filed a suit on Friday seeking a court to establish that group as a legitimate, as the legitimate state party after Karama refused to, to secede her spot and, and recognize Hookstra as, as the chair. So that's where we stand on it. To me, it's a it is continues to be an utter mess. Just an utter mess. And until the RNC weighs on it, until this this lawsuit or lawsuits are heard and adjudicated, it'll be very difficult, I think, for this party to maintain any semblance of functionality. And I think that's a an absolute problem. Meanwhile, it's a it's a mano a mano, Donald Trump versus Nikki Haley. And to me, 
I think this is kind of always what Nikki Haley wanted. She wanted to go up against Donald Trump. He's the big bad on the block. She wanted to go take him on. And to her credit, I think to her campaign's credit, they've done a pretty nice job of putting her in a position to succeed. She's done a pretty decent job fundraising, obviously not to the level of Donald Trump. But I think that when you pair that with the with her performances in the debates, I think she's been pretty good. So it all kind of came together for her to kind of put her into that number two spot. A little surprising that that Ron DeSantis threw in the towel when he did. Thought maybe he'd wait till after New Hampshire just to kind of get a gauge on where he's at. But I, to me, that would tell you that internal polling doesn't suggest Ron DeSantis would do very well in New Hampshire. So now it's it's Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. And I'll be very interested to see how long Nikki Haley lingers. Because I think much like we saw with Joe Biden around the South Carolina primary in 2020, where many of the Dem uh, contenders dropped their campaigns and threw all their support behind Joe Biden, we're seeing the same thing now, where Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, Doug Burgum, Ron DeSantis, all throwing their their support and their weight behind Donald Trump. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. If you want to weigh in on any of those issues, I'd love to take your calls. Let's go to Greg. What's up, Greg? What's going on, my friend? Hey. How are you? Good. Hey, I got some information for you. One good source, talking to our friendly senator here, uh, Mr. Scott, Ron DeSantis ran out of money, period. Sure. He just didn't have enough money. Nikki Haley, on the other hand, being now um, a Carolinian or Carolinian here, I've been here for since 2007, and this state here is big time Nikki Haley country. Yeah. I mean, it is huge. Yeah, and, and, and uh, Greg, I appreciate the call and the insight. I, I would, I mean, the money thing has always kind of been a bugaboo for Ron DeSantis. The, the 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 knock was that he wasn't able to fundraise enough, and I think part of that is Donald Trump sucking the air out of the room. I mean, for a lot of it, Donald Trump is able to raise a lot of the money that otherwise would probably go to a Ron DeSantis. It's just very difficult to have two of, you know, two very similar ideological candidates to try to fundraise at the same clip. Donald Trump's got a track record at the, at that, at that level. Ron DeSantis does it. We'll take a break, come back for more, give you a look at what's going on inside the Michigan GOP next with Tom Leonard here on WJR. All right. A little bit of breaking news. Want to pass along to you via Axios. Israel has given Hamas a proposal for a two month pause in fighting. It's a multi-deal phase that would include the release of all roughly 130 remaining hostages still being held inside Gaza by Hamas terrorists. And there is no concrete agreement yet, but mediators in Qatar, in Egypt, have been trying to work with both sides to come to some sort of an agreement 
and notable because Israel has not thrown out a two month pause in this in this conflict yet. So potentially moving closer to at least a pause in this conflict and, and hopefully very soon the release of these hostages. So the Michigan GOP still continues to be in disarray. Pete Hookstra, who was just nominated to be the chair of the Michigan GOP, has now filed a lawsuit because Christina Caramo, the chair of the Michigan GOP, just won't step down. She says that she is still the chair and will be continued to be recognized that way. Tom Leonard, former uh, Speaker of the House here in the state of Michigan, joins me. Tom, it's good to have you back. Hey, thanks for having me. Glad to be back. Where does this party stand at present? Uh, Well, Chris, I mean, every time I've been on your show in the last year, I think I've made the comment that the Michigan GOP is not just broke, but it's broken. And my hope is, is that after this Saturday, with the election of Peter Hoekstra as the new MIGOP chair, my hope is that the process of rebuilding and fixing the party started on Saturday. So there was a lawsuit filed in West Michigan um, that would recognize Pete Hoekstra's faction camp of the Michigan GOP as the legitimate uh, state party of the Republicans here in this state. But the RNC is going to have to weigh in on on this, too. What kind of hurdles are there going to need to be cleared here? Uh, They are. And here's what I think is going to happen. Um, Probably by about. 12 o'clock on Wednesday, um, Nikki Haley will probably drop out of the presidential primary. Donald Trump will be the nominee. Um, Within days, his team will go into the RNC, as is always the case. The nominee essentially runs the party once they're the official nominee of the party. And then at that point, it's going to be up to Donald Trump and his team to recognize a chair here in the state of Michigan. And my guess would be if they're serious about winning this state, they will be recognizing Peter Hoekstra. Well, Beth LeBlanc wrote in the Detroit News that uh, a call from Mar-a-Lago came in that was pushing towards Peter Hoekstra to win that that special election over Vance Patrick and Lena Epstein. So I, I think the stars seem to align with, with that logic that Donald Trump would, would appoint Peter Hoekstra as, as the new chair. Uh, yes, and they've got to be. They got to start moving soon. I mean, if you think about this, there's only about seven months to go before ballots start going out. With early voting now in the state of Michigan, ballots go out shortly after Labor Day. They've got to get their acts together. And for the past year, the Michigan GOP has had a chair that doesn't want to work with its candidates. Has pushed out all the donors. Is hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in debt. There's accusations that campaign finance violations have been committed. Again, it's broken, and finally there is a respectable chair there that's in place and hopefully ready to win for Republicans seven months from now. So what would we would what would we see from a, a, a Peter Hoekstra-chaired Michigan GOP? Well, he and I have not had any conversations, but my guess would be he's been on the, the, the phone for the past 48 to 72 hours uh, discussing the party and moving forward with all of the donors that, that Christina Cromo has pushed out. Um, I did see that uh, just a few hours ago or, or, or just maybe yesterday, um, he made or he nominated uh, former Congressman Congressman Mike Bishop uh, to be the general counsel of the Michigan GOP. So it's clear that Peter Hoekstra is taking this seriously. It's clear that he's focused on winning uh, in November. And that's what the Michigan GOP needs. And it needs to start now. So how much money? I mean, you're you're talking about losing a lot of time here. 
in terms of fundraising money. And meanwhile, the Democrats on the opposite side have a war chest here in the state of Michigan. Now, now these parties, what they do is they provide cover. They provide resources to their candidates. And the Republicans are just in zero position to do that now. What what type of fundraising efforts have to have to go underway here in order to to be a, a real player come November? Right. And most importantly, it's the party that puts in place the organization to get out the vote and right. put together Election Day operations. So, you know, I used to be the finance chair of the party. Typically, uh, a well-run party would raise 30 to 40 million dollars per cycle. At this point, they ought to have at least 10 to 15 million dollars cash on hand if everything was going well. So Peter, Peter Holster has his work cut out for him. Uh, but you know, again, he's got to focus on bringing in those donors that have been pushed out over the past year, and also the the, the activists and the hard workers. Um, there's a lot of worker bees within the GOP that have been working their tails off over the past two decades to get a Republicans elected that have essentially been told over the last year, your services are no longer needed. So again, my hope is, is that the Republican Party is now at least that the, the process of rebuilding started on Saturday. Well, and that's exactly where I was going to go next in terms of building this or bridging this gap trying to reach out to different factions of this party for a kumbaya moment. Everybody come together and let's start rowing in the same direction. I mean, aside from the fundraising efforts, aside from the debt that that is seemed to be crippling the party at present moment. I mean, there is there needs to be a, a, a harmonious synchronization between some some different folks in this party to to start rowing in the same direction. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, as my mentor, John Engler, has always told me, you win through addition. And unfortunately, the Michigan GOP has had a chair that has been the leader of the circular firing squad pushing uh, other Republicans out of the party. There has been no addition. And again, that's got to happen. If this is a purple state, if Republicans are going to win, if they're going to going to organize uh, here in this state, uh, it's got to be through addition. Uh, it can't be through subtraction like the previous chair has done over the past year. I want to play you a little bit of audio here. This is from Christina Caramo, and I get your reaction. She was on with Jair Morning today. Uh, she was, she talked about the committee and their attitude toward what we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks. The committee, I can tell you, is extremely annoyed. Uh, by these people's antics because we've wasted a month of time on their shenanigans and their attempt to bully their way in. Um, but, you know, the committee is as resolute in our direction uh, that we were going in. And, we, you know, it's annoying, but we, we will continue on because we have a country to save. I just wonder what they would have done with that month of time. I mean, just by the track uh, probably, record. They haven't, been raised, they haven't been able to raise money. What do you make of that? I was going to say, you know, thank God they, they, she, you know, she's been, she spent the last month focused on them versus uh, running the GOP further into debt. So again, thankfully there is a, a, a new GOP chair there, and I'm hoping the process of rebuilding this party has started. What are the long-term effects potentially of, of what we've seen from the GOP, the Michigan GOP over the last you know, year, two years, three years, however back, however far back you want to go. I mean, there are some scars here. What's the what's the rehab time on something like this? Do you think? You know, I, I don't know. That that's tough to say. I mean, listen, I'm the eternal optimist. I know that this Michigan Republican Party will come back. It's going to come back stronger than ever. The timeline, I don't know. I mean, listen, I remember when I was a young activist in 2008, in 2009, I was a party. I, I was a party chair. 
and that was during the the, the housing meltdown. Uh, mm. George Bush, his approval rating was in the tank. I mean, people were embarrassed to be Republicans. I think House, uh, you know, the, the the House Republicans went from a majority to forty some odd seats. So, yeah. You know, the Republican Party. I mean, they were at a low then, and in two thousand ten, bounced back with historic with historical victories. And I don't think it, I don't think anybody could have seen that coming. So this Republican Party will bounce back. But again, it, it, they've got to start to come together. The circular firing squad has to stop. And I believe Peter Hoekstra understands that. Uh, he understands it's time to come together and it's time to win. Tom Leonard, great stuff. Great insight. Always appreciate the time. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, my friend. Yep, you got it. That's Tom Leonard here on JR Afternoon. All right, we got to take a break. We'll get to your calls, your texts. Coming on next right here on WJR. Don't go anywhere. All right, one other note I want to make mention. Jennifer Crumbly will be the first parent of the Oxford shooter to stand trial for involuntary manslaughter. This will be certainly a precedent-setting case. As this thing has morphed and evolved and changed to where they were going to stand trial together as separate defendants now they're now they're 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 going to be receiving their own trial i you know the fact that jennifer goes first it could could mean something you know there there has been an effort to maybe undermine one of the parents to 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 potentially receive a, a lot lesser sentence but we'll see. So Jennifer Crumbly up first in her involuntary manslaughter case. Four counts of inv- involuntary manslaughter. Jennifer Crumbly going first in that case. It kicks off Tuesday. And James Crumbly's trial will begin on March 5th. 800 wjr uh, We have a couple of texts, Brian, we want to get to? We do. Tim from Dearborn <laughs> texted you. He said... Uh... What are the chances that the GOP is secretly being run by the Democratic Party? <laughs> no, my windows aren't covered with aluminum foil. It just seems that nothing <laughs> makes sense. No, nothing makes sense. It's nonsense. It's But look, I mean, you go back to when Christina Karamo was elected. She told me just a couple of weeks ago that she that they're envisioning a new party where they're turning things over, the keys to the kingdom, to the the those activists on the ground. Those that that are doing the work day to day. Well, that's fine. Um, except you got to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time, and they just haven't been able to do it. I don't think it's the Democrats running the the <laughs> Michigan GOP. I think it's incompetence that's running the Michigan GOP. Yeah. I think it's people not understanding. And look, it's not just Christina Caramo. I think that there are a lot of bad decisions being made by a lot of people. I think that you have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. And if you fail to do both and you have to focus on one over the other, well, then maybe this isn't the line of work for you, right? If you can't change the party in a way that you'd like while also being able to court donors, then you're not in the right spot. It's not the right gig for you, and that's okay. Right. But in the meantime, you're 10 months out from a presidential election. You have no money. You're in the red. And you're just standing there with your hands in your pockets. It's it's almost impossible to be a major factor come November. 
So, I, I, look, and, and what Tom Leonard said, and by the way, if you missed any of our conversations, thegreatvoice.com, Tom Leonard, the former Michigan House Speaker, um, told me a couple minutes ago, what could happen is if Donald Trump were to win New Hampshire and beat Nikki Haley so badly that she has to drop out, well, he becomes the nominee, he controls the RNC, and then he appoints Pete Hoekstra as chair of the Michigan GOP. That is an interesting thing at play here, an interesting fact at play. We'll see if that happens. That would that would require a lot of things to pan out the way that, that Tom Leonard talked about. But if that's the case, we'll have to see how it plays out. Okay, you got one more here. It says... Uh... I'm an independent, and I'm so angry that Trump and Biden seems to be the choice being shoved down our throats. My question is, if Trump costs the Republicans this election again, is he going to run in the next election, too, or throw some people in that no one wants? I would say he will not run again. That would be unprecedented. I mean, unprecedented to run basically four consecutive cycles. Um, no, I, uh, look, I think there are a lot of people that are unsatisfied with these choices, um, on both sides of the aisle, by the way, there are more and more Democrats that are going, I don't want Joe Biden to run. I'm a, I'm a, a, I'm afraid of Joe Biden running and B, um, this is what we got. This is the best. Yeah. yeah. You know, some, some, somebody who, you know, often doesn't even know which stage to walk off of. Like it's a problem. It, It is a problem. So. Yeah, that that is an issue. I, I I think that I think there are a lot of people that feel that way. That it's just the fact that these are our two options is is maddening. But look, y- y- there were a dozen candidates on that stage for the Republicans. Did you like anybody that you saw up there any more than Donald Trump? Yeah. I mean, that's the the reality. Is is people always say, well. Who else can we get? There there has to be somebody out there. You know who I thought that was going to be for, for the Republicans? I thought it was going to be Tim Scott. I thought Tim Scott, I really liked Tim Scott, especially in the wake of 2020, in the summer of 2020, and all the, the, the social and police unrest that we were seeing unfolding across the country. Tim Scott was a voice of reason. Tim Scott was, was somebody who could speak from the heart on a on a lot of issues that were that were being talked about at that point being a black man in the south you know his experiences and and then his stance today i i thought i thought tim scott was going to be somebody that was going to be a force but then you saw him on the debate stage and it's i mean yeah it does not it <laughs> it's not going to cut it so I've kind of always felt that way about Nikki Haley, too, except Nikki Haley on the debate stage. She comes through. She's she's relatable. She's I think she's she throws out some good ideas. Not so many. Not not you know, not all of her ideas are perfect, but she has a principled stance. And I think that's different from virtually every other candidate that we saw in this in this GOP primary. But if if Nikki Haley bounces after New Hampshire, I mean, I just saw a, a graphic on Fox News that said she's got 10 more percentage points of independence support in New Hampshire than Donald Trump does. Oh, wow. And new and, and independents rule the roost in New Hampshire. So if she's able to, if she's able to, to at least make it a game, right? If she's able to keep it within a few points, that would be really impressive. 
And I don't see a scenario in which she folds. No. And again, there are those out there. I mean, you you want to talk about in the CNNs and the Fox Newses of the world that say, well, if Donald Trump goes to jail, they would lean on candidate B, whoever that is that's still in the race. Nikki Haley's is it right now. It's it. Yeah, you're right. So if if that's the game plan is to try to last as long as possible just to see if Donald Trump goes to prison, maybe she sticks around. But I, I would be very surprised if she were to fold after New Hampshire and it, you know, there wouldn't be unless she was blown out of the water. Yeah. We also got a phone call from our buddy Rod from Plymouth. He said where he's at, it's starting to rain and it is below freezing. So he said it's starting to get slick in places. So So we're supposed to get some rain tonight. Yeah. And it's supposed to be it's freezing rain. Yes. And then, well, I guess freezing rain, but then it's going to make everything pretty slick in the morning. I, yes. I don't know when it's supposed to stop. It's, we're, we're under a winter weather advisory, I think, from tonight at 7 until tomorrow afternoon. 7, okay. But he, Rod said it was already starting to rain where he's at. It's Did, not, I think Paul, like didn't Paul say that too I earlier? I think so too, yeah. It's not raining here in the new center area. But, yeah, it is coming. That's going to be a problem yeah. in the Just morning. Just to warn people. So yeah. you're going to need to give yourself some time in the morning. Yeah, to to get around because it's gonna be it's gonna be. I may need tomorrow off. I'm just gonna tell you that. Yeah, okay, fair enough. (laughs) Whatever you need, whatever you need, Brian. Um, and 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 here's the other thing with Donald Trump, is he is getting so much support, much like Joe Biden did after South Carolina in 2020, where all those folks bailed out and then were throwing throwing their support behind Joe Biden. It it's it's very similar to what we're seeing with Donald Trump now, except it's just in the beginning of the primaries after Iowa and and pre New Hampshire. Uh, you, Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, Doug Burgum, Ron DeSantis, all showing their support for Donald Trump. Few of them are going to be at a rally coming up. So, look, I it's very difficult to know how things are playing out now, but Donald Trump is only getting stronger. Donald Trump is only going to be able to fundraise more money because just by the sheer lack of of opponents, he's going to be able to fundraise more money. He's going to get more support. And if if those that were in the Scott Ramaswamy or Burgum camp or DeSantis camp, they're going to Donald Trump. They ain't going to Nikki Haley. Got to take a break. We'll catch up with Steve Courtney. We'll talk a little Lions next on JR Afternoon. Wonderful afternoon on Sunday. Lions get the win. They head to San Francisco to take on the 49ers in the NFC championship game. Boy, not a sentence I ever anticipated saying. Steve Courtney joins me. Uh, Did you have as much fun watching that game as I did? Oh, you better believe it, Chris. Um, You know, kind of an emotional deal. And uh, we knew... There were expectations on Dan Campbell and the Lions going back to training camp. And the fact of the matter is uh, they have risen to the occasion, and some would say then some. Uh, Hey, my friend, this conversation brought to you by the hardworking men and women at Bill Brown Ford. Needless to say, the W's continue to stack up. That applies as well to the winged wheelers, 7-1-1. 
uh, over their last nine. How about that? My good friend Matt Garko and his team are stacking wins each and every day. Drive with the champions at Bill Brown Ford. Shop their True View inventory at BillBrownFord.com today. Uh, I think one of the great things about that Lions victory, uh, it's 17-all, Chris, going into the fourth quarter. And, uh, yeah, uh, there was a point in time, really not all that long ago, uh, where the decision, the final one in this tilt, would have been in question. But there's one thing about this Lions team. Uh, No situation is too big. huh? Uh, The offense gets to work. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, the uh, rookie RB, uh, who, by the way, the Buccaneers did not see in that week week six matchup, busts it loose for a 31-yard touchdown scamper. And then uh, Jared Goff, Mr. Cool, Calm, and Collected, uh, would find Amara St. Brown for that nine-yard TD reception. Now, listen, Chris, I don't want you looking at me any different on this Monday morning the day after because i predicted the final score to be 31 24 uh it was 31 23 i hey i put my pants on one leg at a time just like you god i'd love to know what numbers are rolling around in that beautiful head Uh, of yours right now i could take that right to the window i i can't (laughs) i can't say this is for entertainment purposes only uh but you know one thing that stands out about that lions win and pretty much throughout the postseason which, by the way, the uh, Detroit Lions have won two postseason games in the same season. Last time it happened, 1957, oh. on their way to Good an NFL championship. Yeah. Uh, but look, three penalties for 17 yards and no turnovers. Uh, absolutely critical. Playing clean football, uh, they're going to have to mirror that, certainly, against what I think is going to be an improved 49ers team. Uh, we all know uh, right now the uh, 49ers should have gone down to Jordan Love and the Packers Saturday night, but uh, not to be. Uh, and, by the way, they have been installed, the 49ers, that is, as a six-and-a-half-point favorite. All right. Um, you know, I, you, I I take you back to last season as Kenny Brown joins us. Wonderful. Uh, I take you back to last season, last off season. Lions are the darling of the NFL when they are the stars of HBO's hit show, Hard Knocks, right? We all kind of got a peek behind the curtain, what this staff is about, some of these players are about. They start the year one in six in their first seven games. And we go, oh, here we go again. We've seen this song and dance before. We're just spinning the record, record backwards and doing it all over again. But it was week nine against Green Bay when they started going on a winning streak. And, of course, we know how the season finished out. Missing the playoffs, but ending on a high note, knocking Green Bay out. I don't, I mean, they'll tell you all the time that there's no such thing as momentum, but they carried the momentum over through this year. And they they got better and better and better. And just the fact that they got two home playoff games and and took care of business in both of them. It couldn't happen to a more deserving group of fans and, quite frankly, couldn't happen to a more deserving group of players and and staff and coaches. Well, uh, watch the uh, ball game last night. I'm not going to lie to you. It was a uh, Lions party atmosphere Mm -hmm. uh, with some old high school buddies, uh, Dearborn Divine Child, in case you're wondering. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, it was emotional for a lot there because uh, basically in the same age group, and uh, Lord knows we've been through it a little bit as Lions fans. And uh, now all of a sudden, uh, it's gone full circle. 
And congratulations to General Manager Brad Holmes and, of course, Dan Campbell being proactive. Uh, Brock Wright, who had a nice 29-yard reception in that win yesterday, went down with a forearm injury uh, in the second half, did not return, uh, not looking good for his availability in the NFC Championship game Sunday. So uh, they go out and get themselves the veteran tight end, Zach Ertz. Now remember, uh, when Sam Laporta was going through his knee issue, uh, Zach Ertz's name came up prominently as to uh, somebody who they should go out and uh, consider. Steve Hyden, the Lions tight ends coach, was Ertz's uh, position coach with the Cardinals in 2021-2022. So I love this signing. Right now, he has been brought aboard to the practice squad, but it's only a matter of time before he's activated for that championship roster. Well, we'll see. Brock Wright's out, right? He's right. He broke his arm. He broke his arm. I think he broke his arm. But Ertz is just going to be a body because they only have two titles. And James Mitchell was out last week for the year. Right. They had to bring somebody in. Right. This guy ain't played football. If you guys expect any any type of. I don't know what I expect. They just need a third guy. They need a guy. They just need a guy. If he can get in shape. Because remember when the last time we signed somebody to the practice squad, he gave him a couple weeks to get ready to get in shape. Bruce Irvin. We got to play this guy Sunday. Right. So if, if he comes in looking like me. He's he not getting nothing out of him. We're in some trouble. So, We're in just trouble if he looks like you. Just a body. <laughs> well, he, uh, he played in seven games this year, Kenny. He had not played since when, October? 187. Yeah, he was uh, let go this January uh, by the, uh, by the uh, Cardinals. Uh, yeah, October, November. Yeah, it's October there. now. You know, he, he been, I mean, January now. He's been through the Cheeto. The He's field. an athlete yeah. for crying out loud. <laughs> he been through <laughs> Cheetoville, man. Yeah. So <laughs> we just hey, we just need a body. We just need a, need a body. All right, Stevie, thank you. We'll talk again tomorrow. Look forward to it, fellas. All right, Steve Courtney here on the show. Okay, B. It was exciting down here yesterday. Did you go? Yeah, of course. Come on, man. You're going to play without me. It was great. The, it wasn't as loud as... Are you as, their muse? I'm the is muse. Is that what it is? Okay. At times, it wasn't as loud as the week before, but okay. it was still loud. They had tiles this week instead of yes. those light. They had the light things, too, but they yeah. had tiles. It was exciting, and they got loud at the end of the game. And I thought that... Uh, I was worried about that game because the emotional get-up from last week to this week, I didn't know if Look, they could do it. I don't do want it. to get all nerdy about it, but I don't know why Tampa Bay went for two when they did. Well, that's the analytics chart. No, they I say know. go for it's, two it's on nonsense. the first one. It's nonsense. If, if you think about it, well, no. we ain't got time to discuss it, but if no. you think about it, you go for two first. If you get it, then you only need six to win the game or seven to win the game. You need a touchdown to win the game. Correct. If you miss it, you still get to go for it again to tie. It's, it's, analytics yeah. make, uh, it makes sense. No, it, it, I, it just puts you in a bad spot. What it is that one point? That one point meant nothing anyway. Well, it didn't mean anything, but when they went down and scored that touchdown, I think everybody was like, uh-oh. Then you're still seven now. You're still you're they were eight down. No, I'm telling you, if they were to kick the Correct. point, it'll still yeah, the right. so it didn't mean anything. Look, we won, they lost, move on. Yeah, it's good. San uh, Francisco. Baker Mayfield had some nice things to say after the game. That was nice. I thought I think he's a good quarterback. I, I too. I think he's a good quarterback. I, I think that too. was it. I tell you what, that team was tougher defensively than the Rams. Team I agree. Were. I agree. And that blue. team will be tougher. Not as good offensively. That but team tougher. will be tougher defensively than you'll be facing this week in San Francisco. I agree. So let's go out there and I do, agree with do what we gotta do. All right, well, we'll talk about that later in the week. Alexander Long, 435. Today? Okay. Need to say no more. Uh, uh, Derek Barnes gave that uh, game ball to the linebacker room. That's right. And Alexander Long, who runs that linebacker room. Yeah. Stay tuned. It's going to be exciting. All right, what time's that coming up? 435. All right, very good. All right, thank you, KB. Mitch Allen and the crew coming up next. We'll see you guys tomorrow, same time, same place. Don't go anywhere.